Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me. I got a picture of some like rock music in my head. Yeah, you gotta play like the. <laughs> Welcome to the Best Friends Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, David Block, with Joshua Nolathombi. This is Best Friends Fantasy. Like Alrighty, Best Friends Fantasy Foot Clan. <laughs> BFF, FF. This I, is like great. That, I like that we've now just adopted the Sports Center theme song. <laughs> well, the great part about this is you just try and emulate whoever the hell you want. And I listen to so many podcasts that there are like four different theme song musics I have in my head. Yeah. Do you ever listen to a fantasy counselor? Shout out to all my guys. No, no. I I gotta say it though. The main podcast I think I listen to, I listen to a lot of football podcasts. I don't listen to a ton of fantasy specific podcasts, except maybe before draft season. That's probably smarter than what I do. I like the one I listen to is on the ringer. It's called the Danacy Football Podcast. It's two guys named Dan. <laughs> and uh they're pretty good. Although last year they were pretty high on, uh, they're very high on Josh Allen and D.D. Westbrook. I don't know how it turned out for them. But also like part of their whole thing was just shitting on Rashad Penny, which I. Oh yeah. Which they can do again this year because he's coming back from that ACL. Yeah. All right. BFF fantasy football fans today. We're covering bad players on good teams and good players on bad teams or the reverse of that because we're going to start with our good players on bad teams. Um, A quick note while we were just quickly compiling uh, the players we're talking about, I find the general rule is you want receivers on bad teams because they're going to be throwing the ball to catch up and you want good players you want bad players on good teams. Those are usually running backs because they'll get the touch ba- touchdowns. Yeah, anyway. I, I think fantasy, it's always interesting when you talk about, like, who's of value. Because really, it's like, it's just stats. You're looking for people who are going to put up stats. So, you know, you're, you're not necessarily trying to pick, like, all Chiefs as Kuba tried to do last year. Because you can end up with, yeah, your Travis Kelsey's and your Mahomes. But, you know, down the road, it's like, okay, how many people are – they spread the ball around so much that everyone outside of Kelsey is really kind of putting up average stats. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think garbage time is a um, – A real thing. Garbage yeah, time is a real thing. It's definitely a real thing. I would say you shouldn't go too far because I, I, I see – I call this the Joe Mixon rule because every year Joe Mixon ends up as, like, a top 12, like top fit, like he's always in that RB1 conversation when he never is. And then people draft him really high, but they forget the Bengals suck and the, the Bengals defense cannot stop the run so that their Bengals are never on the field that much. And then when they are, it's like Andy Dalton trying to like throw the ball to catch up. So yeah, no, no, I agree. I, I think, you know, I, I always think the bad teams 
it's always better to kind of go for like the big, the boomer bust people. Because really, in, in general, you, you shouldn't be starting. Like they're not going to be your starters. But if you just need to kind of like, you know, if you're in a weird bye week or you, you know, just have people like you need to flex, you can throw out, you know, your, uh, your Tyrell Williams, the DJ Charks worked really well in that scenario last year. Um, you know, the, the big player receivers, you know, running back, you know, like I said, if you're, if you're Joe Mixon and Joe Mixon's, you know, you have them as your RB1 or RB2 and you're heading into November, December. The Bengals have basically already, you know, tanked the season. It's, you know. I have a, I have a beef to pick with you about Joe Mixon. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't mean to pick on Joe Mixon. I had Joe Mixon. Uh, you did have Joe Mixon, and I tried to trade you for Joe Mixon at the end of the season when he was really popping off. Yeah, I would – and I think we'll, we'll kind of go into like, what's the value of having, you know, in, in a previous year, this is probably diff- this is a different example. For well, I, what I find interesting about players like Joe Mixon is that what is attractive about them is how bad you know the team and, and how well they can continue to do. Like Joe Mixon last year was absolutely, like the team was garbage, but he was still putting up points. So of course, in your head, you're thinking, oh man, if only the team can get a little bit better, then this guy's going to pop off. Yeah, you definitely are like – you definitely want, I think, a back that at least – if, you, if you're going to – I think the general rule is if you're going to go with a, a running back on a bad team, you should be able to catch the ball. Right, like Love Bell or something. Yeah, like, you know, your, your Love Bells, your, you know, your Joe Mixons, who I, I, he's gotten better. He was – actually, he was pretty good towards the end of the year. Your, your Kenyon Drakes, maybe. Um, I mean, the ideal thing for this is, is this, someone like Austin Eckler. Because exactly. Austin Eckler, regardless of the team or the game, is just going to get, like, whatever the score is, he's going to be able to get touches because you can just run routes and catch passes, too, as well as run the ball. So, you know, I, you know, I, I, I would just say, like, in previous years, a guy like James White would have been just as valuable as a guy like, you know, the Joe Mixon's or Leonard Fournette's, I, I, you know. This year, I think it's. I think it'll be interesting, and you know, we'll go through some of these people, and you know, how much faith do we really have? Exactly. Okay, so we have nine bad teams and nine good teams. We're going to talk about our bad teams are the Redskins, Dolphins, Bengals, Browns, Jaguars, Giants, Panthers, Bears, Lions. Our good teams are Seahawks, Chiefs, Cowboys, Eagles, Saints, Niners. Patriots, Ravens, and Packers. We're starting off with our bad teams. Number one, of course, with the Redskins. And the Redskins are really what prompted this episode, weren't they, Josh? Because I was just too hyped on my Redskins. I went online, I was looking at my highlights, and god damn, I need to talk about the Redskins right now. And that's yeah, exactly what I'm going to do. Let's let's go tell tell the people what you got going on with the skins. What's what's the what's the Everyone thinks the Redskins are a bad team, me included. But why do we think that? Number one, our owner, Dan Snyder. Everyone absolutely hates the man. I fucking hate his guts. That's one. Two is the quarterback, because we simply have no clue who our quarterback is going to be. And of course, when you have the owner and the quarterback, by the way, both have, you know, they know each other. (laughs) <laughs> they're they're rigging the game against the Redskins. They're rigging the Redskins against the Redskins. But literally everyone else is pretty damn good. And the uh, what prompted me to say that is because of course the Redskins have a good defense. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, we had a good defense last year. 
I was looking at the offense. Uh, let's not forget we just picked up Randy Moss's nephew in the draft as our tight end. Oh, Hell, Dad Moss, yeah. who only holding catches touchdowns. Only catches touchdowns, and that's exactly what we're going to need. But I wanted to talk about the Redskins' young receiving core because we have, t- uh, we have scary Terry McLaurin. Never forget the scary because he is a very scary receiver. And I was looking at his highlights, and I was thinking, wow, I might even reach up to get this guy. I might pick him in maybe the fourth, fifth round. That would probably astound many people in our league. Um, but then I realized that Steven Sims was also a guy, you know, undrafted rookie uh, last year. And, you know, typically we don't give the undrafted people the credit they deserve. Um, but I was looking at those highlights, and goddamn, Steven Sims was also very good. I got very excited. Okay, we have, uh, we have Scary Terry and we have Sims. Um, and I was like, ah, I was getting a little lower on Scary Terry. And then I realized we had fucking uh, Kelvin Harmon, I think his name is, or something. I don't know. Big dude. He's our third receiver. Yeah. Also uh, young. Uh, a little bit about Kelvin Harmon. Uh, he and BK Metcalf at uh, NC State. Also a big physical guy, but no one ever really talks about him just because he was hanging out with DK. And, you know, anyone who look, sits next to DK just is, is going to look like a regular a regular schmo. But Ke- Kelvin Harmon's got some juice to him. And then I was looking at the running backs, which we have like a, a billion of. Uh, I was looking at some of the players we drafted. Gandy Golden, receiver, pretty good. Yo, Gandy Golden, that – Guy is interesting. That's all I have to say about him. He was solving Rubik's Cube. Fellow Rubik's Cube. (laughs) Just like, yeah. Of course I like him. He's good with Rubik's Cubes, too. He was also a gymnast for a lot of his life. That's why you see those absurd arms of his. Um, And But I want to get into Antonio. No, definitely Gibson. You got Gibson. Gibson is who I actually want to talk about because, because Ron Rivera comes in and says that he sees a lot of Christian McCaffrey in Gibson. And so I watched some of those highlights, and he looks like Christian McCaffrey. And I'm like, oh, my God, the Redskins have so many of these other running backs. I actually don't know if any of them are the starting running back. Could Gibson be it? Gibson's interesting because he he never got a ton of shine at Memphis because he was playing behind Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard. Um, What that says about his ability to play in the NFL, I don't know if you can't beat out Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard. But, um, yeah, really interesting guy. I, I see them again. To me, he's more – he's probably a more athletic Eckler and just that I think you could just fit him. He's just going to be someone I think – he's going to be one of those positionless players. I think they'll line him up all around the field. And, you know, he, he's going to be kind of there. Um, Is a player like that, do they have value in fantasy? Uh, I don't know. I – it's so early to tell with these receivers. I, I would bet, if I was going to bet on one of the skins receivers between Sims, Gandy, Golden, and Gibson, I, I feel like I may go with Gibson, um, just depending on the snaps. I just also, don't know if Gibson is a receiver or running back. Yeah, that's I mean, well, he's, a, he's He's six foot, 220. He looks like a running back, but... When you watch him play, he looks more like receiver. I I wouldn't be surprised if they start him out as a running back. I think he'll be. I think I think he probably could be designated as a running back. I actually wouldn't be surprised if, say, uh, I don't know, knock on wood, Darius guys gets hurt. 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Antonio Gibson's the, the Redskins starting running back. No offense to Adrian Peterson, but. One more shout out to Steven Sims because I was watching one highlight reel of him just running past Patriots players and like making them look silly. I was like, who's this? He's like 5'8", 5'9", 170 undrafted rookie just making people look silly with his speed. Um, That's enough Redskins for now. I got it out. I feel better. Watch for them to have maybe a 500 record this year. Moving on to the Dolphins. I think the only relevant people we can talk about are Devontae Parker, uh, maybe Jordan Howard, and Preston Williams. You don't want to talk about Matt Breida? Oh. Yeah, we can talk about Matt Breida. I I actually think Matt Breida is going to end up beating out Jordan Howard. Matt Breida is always – he's always going to surprise me by – Everyone talks about how fast he is, but it never seemed like he really got above like number three on the Reds on the or so the Niners uh, depth chart. Um, it seemed like he was faster than Coleman. You know, he, he seemed faster than Mostert. I mean, I guess he's maybe not the complete back, but I mean, I don't know. I I I just I feel like Brita is more talented than Jordan Howard, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the running back one there. That being said, this is where we get into is how much are the Dolphins going to be able to run the ball? Right. They were the worst rushing team in the league last year. Um, we assume it's going to be Fitzpatrick again as the starting quarterback. Um, you know, that's going to lead to, you know, maybe a little bit more turnovers, which is, is going to be, you know, shorter possessions. They're going to look to throw a little bit more. Um, I think Devontae Parker's interesting. I I, I've seen some people rate him as high as a like a top twenty receiver, like put him in the in the wide receiver two category. I think he could be I, even higher. I just I, I would I Devontae Parker to me is someone who has spurts, but he's been in the league for I think probably sixth year, maybe. You know, he's yeah. been in the league for, for a good bit. You know, I would be surprised if he has the, just the durability or the consistency in exactly. production to really matter. Like, I think he's someone who's – I would be more comfortable with Devontae Parker on, like, a DFS level as opposed to, you know, if you're, if you're trying to really count him as, you know, as, a, as an every-week starter. Yeah, that was my same issue with Devontae Parker, too. I mean, he's one of those players that was drafted in the first round. Very, uh, people are very high on the talent. And they were waiting for him to break out a lot of years. And some years he was injured. Other years it looks like he was just on the Dolphins. And then last year it finally happens where he has the breakout season. Everyone kind of wanted him to have. And when you watch him play, he looks ridiculously good. The Dolphins are going to be throwing the ball a lot. So you have a clear number one receiver on a team that's throwing the ball a lot. You have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's not a great quarterback, but he's going to sling it. And, uh, I felt so tempted, just like with Scary Terry McLaurin, to be like, oh, damn, Devontae Parker might be worth reaching on. But that injury history just scares me a little bit too much. I'm not taking any guys with an injury history like that. Or a reminder, anyone that has torn their ACL, I'm not taking Dalvin Cook in the first round. I'm not taking Keenan Allen. Screw ACLs, man. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I think the Preston Williams thing is – an interesting he's an interesting option I always feel like they all I think they still have Albert Wilson too actually also on the Dolphins right um 
Preston Williams, I'd take a flyer on later, maybe in the round. Um, I would be wary on the Dolphins because I, I just, I, I just, the Dolphins to me are a DFS team. They're just, if you're playing daily fantasy, I would take a chance on them because you just, you know, fifth back, you know, is he's trick or treat. He's, he was the Jameis before Jameis. Um, yeah, I, I'm not super high on, on the Dolphins, on any, on, on any of these people. I, I do think the Dolphins are interesting. I think in a couple of years they're going to be really good. Um, I, I wouldn't be completely shocked if they won the AFC East because I think right now it's, um, it's pretty even. But. Yeah. And actually, I forgot my other note on the Dolphins. And another reason I'd be slightly more down on Parker and the receivers is that they have been working on the defense. The better that defense is, the less their Fitzmagic is going to be inclined to sling the ball. Um, Our next bad team, the Bengals, unless you have any other notes on uh, Dolphins. Preston Williams, I do think he's worth a late round flyer, um, but probably not too much to talk about there. No, no. Okay, Bengals. We're talking about Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, and anyone else you think is worth talking. Do you want to talk about the fastest man in the NFL, John Ross? You know, no, I'm not going to talk about John Ross because John Ross has fooled me many years in a row. There are fast guys who are good at football. There are fast guys who are not great at football. I think John Ross is – I mean – some guys like John Ross, you just say run and go route every time and distract the other team. We're going to throw it to our possession receivers. Um, and I think that is where – I'll point out that David is probably the closest thing to Al Davis in our league and that he just – no one loves speed more than, more than David. And I think the idea that John Ross isn't good at football really kills David. It does, man, because you just got to run and get the ball and you just got to get it in your hands. Ugh. He did have that, like, three-week stretch at the beginning of the year last year. When I, I I, ever- oh, I know. I know he had the three-week stretch yeah. because on the fourth week, guess who started him instead of the crazy Chiefs running back situation that week when it was literally, like, 30 seconds before the game when they said who would actually play. But whatever. That aside, uh, we have Joe Mixon. I We already talked about him. I think he's worth taking in the first, second round. Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, this is going to be interesting. A.J. Green coming back after basically not playing for two years. He's going to be 31, 32 probably during the season. Um, I was doing a little age research because this is the type of mindless uh, research I like doing. Uh, Wide receivers, they can play to 30, 31. Once you get to 32, 33, you're going to start seeing some drop-offs. So I wonder if this is really Boyd's time to take control over the team. Yeah, well, I mean, here, yeah, the the injury. I think he he tore it was his Achilles. He tore his Achilles right. mm-hmm. two years ago. Um, my, I think my question about the the Bengals, I'll pose this to you: is how would you rank their wide receivers? Because I I think I'm seeing a lot of people that are um, they're going AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, and then T Higgins. I actually maybe tempted to say that I would go the reverse in terms of their depth chart. Uh, <laughs> T. Higgins, number one? I, I, maybe not number one. Here's my thing. I don't think I'm drafting A.J. Green. I, I just, I no. don't, I, I don't trust him. I, I don't really know if I'd flag him on my board. I think Tyler Boyd's interesting. He, he, he always seems to kind of end up being like a really solid receiver. Um, He's coming off two uh, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. Yeah, 
there's actually a, there's a good article on the ringer where it I think he actually is the best wide receiver with a, a number in the 80s you know part of me really wants to take Boyd just because when he had 2,000 yard seasons back to back he had 150 targets last year and Everyone's kind of pretending like he's not going to be the wide receiver one, which he may not be because it's very crowded there. Um, but, man, is it, the Bengals' wide receiving core is going to probably be the hardest to figure out for this year. I think Boyd is a, is a, is a good um, high-ceiling type pick. Like, if you're just looking for, like, a flex wide receiver in, like, the mid-tier rounds, T. Higgins, I think, is an interesting project. I just I wouldn't draft A.J. Green. The Joe Mixon thing, too, I, I – I'm not as high on Mixon as you are. I just <laughs> I, I don't want Joe Mixon as my as my number one running back. I with Joe Mixon is one of those players that I will commit just for the talent, but there are a ton of reasons not to pick swinging Joe Mixon. Let's not forget that Giovanni Bernard actually was taking a good amount of carries away from him last year. Um it's not the beginning of the year. I think I think towards the end of the year they kind of went back to Towards the end, but he's still getting around a 35, even 40% snap share on that team, which I would like to see a little bit higher for Mixon. Sorry, I mean, uh, Giovanni Bernard was getting 35, 40. I think, I think if Mixon is your flex, I think you have a really good team. I think if Mixon is your RB1, RB2, you could have a good team. But uh, I don't know, man. I just like swinging Joe. Let's move on to the Browns. Uh, the Browns, I really want to talk about, actually, because... I was reading about Jarvis Landry's injury. Jarvis Landry and OBJ ended the season injured. Jarvis Landry has a hip fracture, which didn't sound good, so I did a little more research. And my conclusion... Those hip injuries are always the worst for receivers. Yeah. Jarvis Landry is screwed, man. <laughs> He's absolutely screwed for this year. He's going to need like a full year to come back to the sport. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, OBJ... Right? Is this his year? So the OBJ thing is really interesting. I, I just – I think people are overrating the Browns' weapons a little bit because I think you remember if Jarvis doesn't play, their number two receiver is uh, Damian Radley. <laughs> so, like, there's – I. I think Austin Hooper there is a good, is a good option. David Joku – is still injured? Uh, he's, he's still even on the team. I don't know. Austin Hooper is the tight end now. Yeah, I, I, I think Odell's injured. I think Odell's a little bit too low. I think people, some people have him as like in the 20 to 30 range for wide receivers. Um, I think really the question with OBJ is just the same thing with Fournette. Is, is, is he going to be on the Browns week one? You know, if Jarvis Landry's out, I have no clue why there why there would be any trade talks right now. You should need him more now than ever. Uh, yeah. A thought that just popped into my head. If Jarvis Landry isn't ready for the season, do you think Austin Hooper absorbs those targets? Yeah, like, so here's the thing. I think, I don't think the Browns are going to trade Odell because, like you said, the Jarvis injury, but also, like, their free agency kind of proved that they went all in. They got Austin Hooper. They signed Jack Conklin, who's a really good tackle, kind of offset their, their line, obviously dra- drafting Jedrick Wills. Um, I think the Browns are trying to – the Browns are trying to make the playoffs. And I, I don't – I think they're 
going to look to use OBJ a little bit more. I think they know last year, um, obviously with, with kitchens, it was just a lot, a lot of stuff going around. I think Stefanski being there is going to be um, interesting. I think in his system, I think you could see um, Odell, I think was going to be used kind of more as that downfield target in the way that Stefan Diggs was used in Minnesota with Jarvis Landry playing kind of the Adam Thielen role. But we remember that Odell can play the slot too. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see Odell kind of lining up all over. Let's not forget Odell, maybe not a bad quarterback. Like, <laughs> right. He threw a, I remember he when he was on the Giants. Yeah. No one will uh, forget that he had a, he had the longer touchdown than Eli Manning throughout like what the entire season or like, yeah, week, I think, uh, yeah, it was like the longest touchdown pass, I think by a Giants player in, in, in a while. I don't know. I, I think I think Odell is a, is a good pick. I think he's a good uh, he's a good safe pick. Yeah, I, I'd I'd stay away from Jarvis. Uh, yeah, awesome Hooper. I think we and we talked about their running backs a little bit. I, yeah, I like we, we've talked back. about the running backs. Um, you know, next on my list was the Jaguars. But since we were talking about OBJ so much, let's go to the next team, the Giants, where we have Daniel Jones getting his I guess second year is what you can call it. We have Darius Slayton competing for targets with Sterling Shepard. Who you who do you like on the Giants? I kind of like Slayton. I think Slayton kind of became like their Daniel Jones's best target down the end of the year. Um, I know that Golden Tate is there and he's supposedly healthier. I just think that it's it. I don't know. I don't see it with Golden Tate. I think he's. I think kind of what you're saying about the age thing. I think once you get past a certain a certain point, you're kind of done. Um, yeah, the dude was uh, taking something to try and get some babies or something. That's what he yeah. got suspended for. I don't dude. know. I, I feel don't like know. people. I feel like any as someone who watched Antonio Gates, anyone who kind of comes back after the suspension year, they're never, they're never, you know, they're never really quite the same. Uh, <laughs> Sterling Shepard, I, I just, I don't trust his health. He seems no. to get injured every year, but he uh, just he gets so many targets when he isn't injured. Like I, 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 like I was Slayton. on I the. Slayton is a I was on the same thought train as you before where I was looking at Slayton and then I checked some of the targets towards the end of the year and I just I couldn't ignore how many Sterling Shepard was getting once he was back on the field. You have Evan Ingram, of course, who's going to steal targets. Honestly, Evan Ingram's probably the player you should most consider on the Giants. So Evan, Evan Ingram, I had Evan Ingram last year, and I think he's one of those guys where if Evan Ingram is healthy – he is like a dream tight end because he's clearly like Daniel Jones' best target. He's like, you know, for any any inaccurate like quarterback loves a good tight end who can just they can just dump it off and catch balls to Lamar he's Jackson. Touchdown target. I just I I don't even think Evan Ingram played the last half of the year. And so this is this is I think another thing again with good players on bad teams is that if they get injured their teams are so much more likely to shut them down because mm. they're not going to risk the investment. And so I think if you have, you know, your injury prone people on bad teams, you know, like, like we, like your Saquon's, you know, like the Evan Ingram thing, like last year, I, I think they're, I just think they're going to shut it down. So I don't know, you know, how much is going to cripple you as you kind of go later into the season and into the playoffs. Um, I do want to point out something about Daniel Jones though, just as a quarterback value. I know we haven't talked a ton about quarterbacks, 
But I just, I just want to throw out some of the quarterbacks that Daniel Jones is currently projected to uh, have a higher ADP over. So Daniel Jones is currently projected to have a better fantasy season than Jared Goff, Ryan Tannehill, Ben Roethlisberger, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Kirk Cousins. I agree with all but one of those. I just I, – I don't see that. I really don't. I think the reason people are so high on Daniel Jones is because from what we saw from last year, he's not afraid to run and he's definitely not afraid to sling. Like that dude, I can't, I don't want to say Jameis Winston because he wasn't throwing the interceptions, but he was throwing a lot of deep balls. Like he looks like a. Daniel Jones was secretly like Jameis, but with fumbles. (laughs) <laughs> exactly yeah well if you if you're not throwing the interceptions you gotta make make up for it somewhere i guess all right that's enough daniel jones talk uh actually last question should the redskins have taken daniel jones over dwayne haskins what do we think now that we're a year in well i think daniel jones is already taken right everyone thought the giants were going to take haskins and then they took daniel jones right all right, sorry, the other way around. I, I was certainly not a Daniel Jones guy before the draft. Me neither. He looked terrible at Duke. I also was not a huge – you know what's crazy is that I can't – you know, I don't think Dwayne Haskins is terrible. I don't really think he's ever going to be a star. It's so funny to watch and just realize that, like, he's the reason – he, like, Joe Burrow can beat that guy out, like, two years ago. Who? Joe Burrow, do you know that story? Joe Burrow was no. a backup at Ohio State. Oh, right, right, and that's right. He transferred to LSU is because he couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins. Oh, so you're telling me that Dwayne Haskins is better than the national champion. All right, I'll take that. Uh, moving on to the Jaguars. Gardner Minshew, once again, people are saying, is the starting quarterback, even though rumors the Jags are looking at Cam Newton. I think the Redskins the Redskin should take Cam Newton. Uh, we have DJ Chark and Leonard Fournette we're talking about. Yeah, I, I'm wary on all three of these people. Um, I like Gardner Minshew. I think – I don't know how committed the Jaguars are to Gardner Minshew. I, I think just because they didn't I, – I actually think they, they did take someone in the draft. Um, now, I don't think that person is going to be like their star. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jaguars brought in Andy Dalton. Oh, yeah. Should, should they have more faith in Gardner Minshew? I mean, the reason – I like Gardner Minshew last year, and I think he's worthy of a start this year is because the Jaguars were so goddamn bad. They were such a bad team, and then out of nowhere, there's a little fire that gets lit under their asses, you know, kind of in the same Baker Mayfield way. Yeah, so the Jaguars drafted Jake Luton from Oregon State, who was everyone's 10th favorite quarterback on the board. Um, Oregon State, nationally known as one of the worst Power five college football teams. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. He's six foot six, though. Six foot six, 230. That's From, too, uh, too tall. Yeah, potentially too tall. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I think the Jaguars have another, they add another quarterback before uh, the season starts. DJ Chark, we kind of talked about a little bit on a previous pod, but I think he's someone who could be in for a bit of a regression just because he just had a lot of touchdowns last year. Yeah. 
um, which is weirdly the opposite of Fournette, who had a monster year, but I, I, you know, never really found the end zone. But now the thing with Fournette is like, we we just don't know what's happening with them. Yeah, I'd say DJ Chark stole those touchdowns from Lenny, and that Lenny will get them back next year. Uh, the Jags really not too an exciting of a team to talk about. Maybe let's go on to the Panthers. Are they going to be a bad team next year? So actually, it's funny. I think if you look at a lot of Vegas and uh, every NFL like post like power rankings, where you go on uh, NFL.com, Pro Football Focus, ESPN, the Panthers are always a bottom five team. Um, and if you look at it, really, it's they completely retooled. Like their defense has no one. Luke Keekley's gone. Um, like, I think Quan Short's still there, but it's like their secondary was a mess last year. Um, Curtis Samuel never really popped. Yeah, I was wondering about him. He actually has been the subject of a lot of trade, actually, subject of a lot of trade rumors to your skins <laughs> in the sense that uh, the skins, are, for some reason, are trying to recreate the Ohio State Buckeyes by getting <laughs> McLaurin, Haskins, Curtis Samuel, and. Uh, Chase Young. I'm actually pretty. I'm. I was surprised they didn't try to get J.K. Dobbins. Uh, That'd been so awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I am not a DJ Moore guy at all. I've never really. I've. I just. I think he's way too high right now. I think some people have him as high as wide receiver ten. ESPN has him as the tenth best wide receiver for fantasy right now. I think that's absurd. Yeah. Uh, in the Panthers, you can never forget, last year Christian McCaffrey got 140 targets. He's going to steal so much of the value from that team. Yeah, because you, I think we talk about, like, the, you know, it's you got to pick the right running backs, the right players on bad teams. McCaffrey is just going to, because he lines up all over the field, he's also the Panthers' number one right receiver as well as their number one running back. So, regard like the Panthers like they can't do anything without giving him the ball so like he's going to get those touches he's going to be the best player in fantasy um anyone else on that team I'm not super I'm not super high on I I'd, I'd stay away Man, you're just getting me more hyped for Antonio Gibson when he breaks out on the Redskins but uh next team we have the Bears Allen Robinson Anthony Miller David Montgomery what are your thoughts so Oh God, the Ballad of Allen Robinson. Oh, and more importantly, who the who the fuck is the quarterback? <laughs> is it gonna be Nick? I think it's gonna be Nick Foles. There's no I way that Trubisky is the quarterback again. I just think it's I. We you know obviously it's a story as old as time, but of the multitude of things we're gonna have to like look back and tell our kids that happened this decade. <laughs> I still think one of the craziest things I'm going to have to tell my kids is like, yeah, in the 2017 NFL draft, the Bears traded up to not take Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, but they took Mitch Trubisky. And then my kid is going to be like, who is Mitch Trubisky? <laughs> You'd be and like, Mitch Trubisky's to... dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how – how I feel about Mitch, I, I think it's I think it's pretty much I think it's almost over for him. Nick Foles too. I mean, 
Nick Foles has never really shown that he can be a, a, a quarterback for a whole season. Uh, the problem is the Bears are just so capped out and, like, they have just no draft capital or any assets that I – like, David Montgomery was actually, like, sneaky not good last year. I don't know if that's – like, I, I think people kind of look and they're like, oh, yeah, like, the Bear, like he – I don't think I ever averaged more than four yards a carry. Yeah, sorry. I'm looking at Mitch Trubisky's college statistics to see what he could have done where a team would want to take him where the Bears did. In his last season at North Carolina, he uh, uh, did have a 68% completion rating with 3,700 yards, 30 touchdowns, and six interceptions. A good season from a guy at a nobody college who absolutely should not have been drafted. Sorry, who are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that there was some racism there, but, you know. There was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the safe white guy. Um, yeah, I, David Montgomery, I, I, I was just saying that I think he actually, if you look at the numbers, wasn't great last year. I don't know if that gets better just because I don't necessarily know if the Bears beefed up their offensive line at all. Uh, Tariq Cohen, uh, a.k.a the Austin Eckler of 2017. I think could be here's because the Matt Nagy is a good coach. He's a good scheme guy. I just, I don't, I think Tariq Cohen actually might be just too small to get the amount of touches that, that they're going to want to do. Allen Robinson is a different thing because Allen Robinson, as uh, Robert Mays says constantly is a top 10 talent in football he's six five he is fast can catch and his best seasons is because i want to read you the quarterbacks that alan robinson has had to catch from in his career so let's see alan robinson drafted in 2014 he has caught balls from blake bortles it was okay here we go one half season of Blaine Gabbard, Chad Henney, and Blake Bortles. Two more seasons of Blake Bortles. He then he tears his ACL week one, the year that the Jags are at, the only year the Jags are actually good. He tears his ACL. Uh, yeah, I was looking at that now. And goes to Chicago and plays with as catching balls from Mitch Trubisky. So, <laughs> but... In the same way, still puts up – he had 98 receptions last year, uh, 1150 yards, seven touchdowns. Like, he's a good player. If, he, if you can get him to play a full season, I, that's why I hope that – Nick Foles is probably the best quarterback Allen Robinson's played for. Uh, when you search Allen Robinson in Google, the second suggestion is, is Allen Robinson a good fantasy pick? Google says no. Okay. I will trust you, Google. Um, Anthony Miller, I'd like to talk about because... Our, our boy? Our boy. <laughs> shout out. Our boy? Shout out to Anthony's cousin, Amanda, Amanda who is our girl, <laughs> making Anthony our boy. Uh, the Bears, he, Anthony Miller's, I, I believe he's the solid wide receiver too on that team, and I think he will get the targets that he deserves. 
Yeah, I mean, Nick Foles likes to throw those slot guys. Nick Nick Foles likes to spread the ball around a little bit more. He also is just a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. So I just I just feel that everyone's play is going to be up uplifted a little bit. Um, in terms of you know how the Bears are going to use, do we do we want to talk about Cole Komet or no. any of the nine other Bear tight ends? No, the Bears aren't going to have a fantasy relevant tight end. Uh, just no, they won't. Um, David Montgomery. Uh, uh, on last note, um, last year he was averaging under four yards a carry. Um, that's not about his talent. That's more of a testament to how bad the Bears' offensive line was. Um, so yes, we want him to break out, but be wary of what the Bears have done to actually. David Montgomery is going to be to quote like to to borrow a, a term from basketball. He's going to be that guy that just has a lot of potential. I think that's just going to end up being traded around a bunch. Yes, by like every fantasy guy is just going to draft David. They're going to, here's what's going to, they're going to pick David Montgomery in like the sixth or seventh round. Which is what I did last year. He's going to like be, they're going to think he can play an RB2. He's not going to play great because the Bears are going to be bad. And then they're going to try to, and then like, but like everyone is going to bite because they're like, oh dude, you know, I watched that one video of David Montgomery cutting in the preseason, you know. And I got to, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I just got to wait for it, wait for him to break out. I feel like every week last year, we're like, David Montgomery is going to, he's going to be here. He's going to be, he never really, never really quite hit it. That's almost exactly how I felt with him on my team last season. And I was not patient enough to wait for the breakout. I tried, I tried, I think I traded him to you for Damian Williams, which I don't even want to talk about that trade because Lamar Jackson was involved. <laughs> Oh, no, my Lamar, my precious Lamar. And the reason I did it was because he – it was against the Dolphins that he broke out that first game. I was like, there's no way this is going to continue. When, um, we, when we get to our trade our trade episode, MK, if you're listening to this, we'll explain to you what not to do. Don't do anything that I do. Um, our last bad team to round off the bad teams is the Lions. We're talking Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, on Johnson, um, and – uh, Swift. Yeah, I we talked a little bit about Swift uh, in the post draft thing. I think he ends up being the number one running back just because we don't trust Carryon's help. Um, I I I I don't understand the Marvin Jones thing. I feel like every year he's like always placed fairly high, like just in the period that like people would start him. Um, he's just he's just so touchdown reliant. That I, I'm always just super wary of Marvin Jones. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I'm considering Marvin Jones for my team just because it's not always terrible to have a receiver. Like, he's good value. That's what I'll give him. He's not a great receiver, but he is good value. If you just want that receiver on your team that maybe will catch a, a couple touchdowns every now and then and when you and when you week. He's not exciting. Uh, but I might take him. I, yeah, and you know the Galladay thing is also interesting. He also is touchdown dependent. The Lions receivers, it's another thing like the Bears because it's like, are we assuming that Matthew Stafford has a working back? Medically, they say yes. So I don't know. I obviously he has a good rapport with Stafford, so I think if Stafford's healthy. I think both those guys are drafted. You know, Galladay, I think people are looking at as a, as a wide receiver one. Um, there is kind of a drop-off after. I think that the, the top, top tier 
wide receivers. The more the person on the Lions I'm more interested in is TJ Hawkinson. Oh, very interesting. Um, had moments last year. I mean, the Giants. I mean, the Lions just got. Let's not forget the Lions were undefeated after three weeks, and then pretty much just died when Matthew Stafford didn't break his back, but pretty much broke his back. Pretty much broke his back. So I, I could see, you know, maybe Stafford comes back, doesn't have necessarily the arm, the arm strength, you know, the mobility to really torque into those throws. And, you know, maybe he needs a nice, uh, nice security blanket, a nice little check down. And I, I think TJ Hawkinson is that guy. Huh. That's interesting. Um, you know, some of these injuries, they sound so bad. And I'm like, man, how can anyone come back from that? Especially ACLs. I was reading the other day about a DK Metcalf right before the combine. He had a broken neck. The doctors thought yeah. he might never play football again. And I mean, man, is he playing I mean, football again? Matt Stafford had like legitimate vertebrae damage. Jeez, man, the things these players do. And yet <laughs> Antonio Brown out there, like 33 is with zero brain is making dudes miss left and right. Uh, not in the NFL, just in his backyard. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that sums up the bad teams. Real quick, we're going on to the good teams. Number one, Seattle Seahawks. Um, man, you know, with these good teams, again, good, I think we should really focus. Bad players. Yeah, good team with bad players. I don't know if Chris Carson is a bad player. He is certainly an injury of an injury-prone player who's coming off of a hip injury from last year. Didn't require surgery. The Seahawks didn't draft their running back too high. So my faith in Chris Carson is moving up slightly. Yeah, I want to say that the Seahawks drafted – I want to say it was DJ Dallas. from. It, it was DJ Dallas, who uh, I've heard is very big, very good at uh, pass protection, very slow. Yeah, I really watched a lot of Miami football last year, and I just because I was really interested in the whole Tate Martell thing, I'm not a fan. I, I I don't think Chris Carson has a lot to worry about in terms of DJ Dallas. I, the Carson thing, I think it's just the I it's the issue that it was last year. I think it's the fumbles. Yeah, and it was painful having him on your team and, and watching some of that. Man, there was, there was one week, I swear, I would have won if they had counted one fumble on Russell Wilson instead of Chris Carson. And I was just watching. It was so clearly Russell's fault. It was so clearly uh, Russell's I, fault. I remember. I, I, Chris Carson, I feel, I feel pretty good about Chris Carson. Like, I wouldn't stay away from him, only just because my lack of faith in Rashad Petty and DJ Dallas is a lot higher than yeah. how I feel about Chris Carson. And also, you just got to remember, the, the, the Seahawks are not – for as good as Russell Wilson is, they're not an aired-out team. They're very much – Pete Carroll is, a, is a definitely a ground-and-pound guy. Exactly. Um, um, which is funny that we're talking about Chris Carson as they're like pretty much only back. Yeah. They're, they're wide receivers, though. I think, you know, they, they get a little interesting, you know. Yeah, they're, and that will be for another day, that good players on good teams where we can talk about their receivers. But – it's funny to think that, like, this team wants to be so run-heavy when you look at their roster, you're like, I mean, they should probably throw it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Lockett, Metcalf. David Moore looking pretty good, too. Um, 
That's I'd say. Wait, I also want to give a, a to um even uh, more. Uh oh, Hollister. Yeah, from Oklahoma. Oklahoma, not Oklahoma State, one of the other colleges, but uh, was coached by MK's uncle. Re- Wait, MK's uncle's a coach? Yeah. For who? Uh, I got I to gotta look up the name here. Dude, MK could get all that insider info. Gainesville, Texas, David Moore, East Central University. They're a D2 team. And, yeah, yep, Ada, Oklahoma. If you, uh, yeah, it's not, I, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, I wouldn't say he's my boy in the way that Anthony Miller's my boy because, but, uh, you know, interesting, you know, just shout out. Um, our next good team, the best team, the chiefs are bad players on that team. Uh, I think this whole segment should be on Damian Williams. If you want, we can talk about. Sammy Watkins or whoever the number three receiver will be on that team. Three, I'm talking about behind Kelsey and Tyreek, if that possession has any value in fantasy. But for now, let's talk about Damian. Yeah, Damian, I think obviously them drafting Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, is not a great sign for Damian. I'm Uh, talking about Damian not being a great sign for Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. I... I don't know. The Chiefs do this. Remember last year, they, they signed LaShawn McCoy. Everyone thinks LaShawn McCoy is going to be, you know, their top back. But they, they're just not going to do it. They're never going to give a running back, you know, the, the huge amount of targets. Even Kareem Hunt, he was there, was never getting, like, you know, more than 80% of it. So, I'd say I would be, I would be high on Damian Williams as a draft guy, and then I would – you just I think there's a selling point with him. I think you have to trade him probably by I don't know, maybe week four, week five. Yeah, I think what gets me about these two guys is just the similarity of their games. You know, like if Damian Williams was if Damian Williams was shaped like Daryl Henderson, I would be all over Clyde Edwards Hillary right now. But Damian is a little bigger and a little faster and he can still catch. He's good at pass protection. And these are all, I think they will get in the way of Clyde Edwards Hilaire's, uh, his fantasy value. Yeah, I'm not, I think both of them are good players and I think both of them are going to be starters. Um, but maybe not Yeah, the not, consistency I, you would I, I, like. I, like they're going to be flex plays. Yeah. I Like I've seen some people go as high as having Clyde Edwards Hilaire as like a, a running back to like a top 20 running back. I would be a little cautious on that, at least off the gate. Their wide receivers are a little bit more interesting because Sammy Watkins and McCole Hardman are really talented. But the Chiefs, I think, spread the ball. Basically, they got Tyreek running these sweeps and running slants and across the, the, the big plays on the field. Travis Kelsey is really their middle-of-the-field target. So there's not a lot of routes that are going to leave for Hardman or – Sammy Watkins as kind of like their, you know, as the primary guy. Sammy Watkins is a good, like, Sammy Watkins is what we thought. We thought Sammy Watkins was going to be DeAndre Hopkins. It just turns out we had the wrong wide receiver at Clemson. So, Um, Sammy Watkins, for some reason in my head, 
I'm like, if there ever was a year to get Sammy Watkins, maybe this is the year because everything points in the direction of it not being the year. <laughs> I think what's funny about the Chiefs is you see, you watch the Chiefs and you see all these touchdowns, and then you you talk yourself into like, like, oh yeah, Demarcus Robinson, oh yeah, Chris Conley, oh yeah, Byron <laughs> Pringle, yeah, like I've seen them, they look fast, but I I think it's really just like. Like, McCole Hardman on any other team would be their version of Tyreek. Right. Because they have Tyreek, it's like, I, I, you know, don't there's get, not as much as I think of a priority on those guys. Don't get too caught up in the Chiefs would be my advice to fantasy audiences because fantasy is not as fun as actual football for them. Um, our next good team is maybe a good team. I mean, I don't know. The Cowboys – would you consider them a good team? And if so, who is their bad player? Because I feel like the worst I would be talking about would be Amari Cooper. Yeah, so Cowboys got a lot. I mean, their defense is not going to be great. So I think I think the Cowboys are going to be the team that's just going to try to be almost like the Chiefs-ish. And I think they're just going to – they're just going to – they're going to have a huge offense. Um, and I think they're just going to try to get in shootouts with everyone, kind of like what the Cardinal strategy is. Um, That's yeah. cool. I'll take Amari that for fancy. Amari Cooper, I think as Skip Bales would say, is not good on the road. And if you look at the stats, his, when he's at home, Amari Cooper is a top five wide receiver. When he's on the road, he's just so in and out. So, I, I would still feel pretty comfortable with Amari. Um, Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup. The, the reason I said Amari Cooper as our bad player on a good team is because he's the wide receiver one on that team. As it is right now, Michael Gallup is the number two and C.D. Lamb is the number three. I think Gallup is a stud. I think C.D. Lamb is going to be a stud. Of course, Ezekiel Elliott is a stud. I like Jarwin, too. It's the I only like questionable only I questionable Jarwin. person I have is Amari Cooper. I also like to point out Tony Pollard, pretty solid backup. Oh, exactly. Yeah, and Tony Pollard. Cowboys should have a great offense this year. Um, not too interesting, though. I'm getting bored, so let's go Eagles. Ugh. <laughs> it's, it's a rough – it's a rough fantasy landscape for any Eagles. Man, I was watching, uh, like, one of the Eagles' top fan dudes on uh, YouTube reacting to the draft – that guy was losing his marbles, man. <laughs> just I, losing it. I just can't believe the Eagles didn't take Justin Jefferson. I think Jalen Reader good, but he's not number one receiver. He's more of a slot guy. It just seems like the Eagles are still considering Alshon Jeffrey their number one wide receiver. Yeah. And that is not a smart idea. Like, I don't know if – does Alshon Jeffrey qualify for knees – does he still have uh, – does he have any ACLs? He – I thought his whole thing was the shoulders. He's just had a bunch of injuries. I, I, I want to say he's had uh, – let's see. He had a list frank – oh, so he had the list frank foot injury. He had a, one knee strain. Oh, you know what? I – he had a knee tear. I – dude, this log is like – this is like at least 20 injuries. Well, yeah, he just had Liz Frank surgery. Um, he had two shoulder rotator cuff tears. Um, 
Oh, you know it's worth talking about on the show today? I still haven't seen it because no one will watch it with me, but I want to watch that Alex Smith documentary. Eleven? Uh, I watched the E60 thing a little bit of it, the, just the Sports Center clip. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey also, we should, we should mention, technically not supposed to even practice until September. Oh, shoot. You know who I wanted to talk about today, who I forgot for, like, no reason? Uh, Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks? Because they're the polar opposites of each other, and I think it's super interesting. Will Fuller is this guy that's entering, I think, his fifth season, who you're waiting to break out after being injured his whole career. Brandon Cooks, also still only 26, coming to a new team, but he played almost every game except for, like, two games last year because of the concussions and we see those concussions and I mean, you know, clearly they took their toll, but like who, who's going to be the wide receiver on that team to get? Is it Kenny Stills? Oh shit. Is it Kenny Stills? I, I, I don't trust Will Fuller. I, he, he gets injured way too much. Brandon Cooks has had like way too many concussions Brandon yeah, but is a guy who's like he's so good, but then like he keeps getting traded. So you're like, yeah, what's like what's the deal? What's going on there? <laughs> I like um, I like Bill O'Brien's stance on it, which is pretty much what any normal guy's stance is, which is like, oh, it is some concussions. He's a pretty good player, whatever. Um, all right, who do we have left? We have Saints, Niners, Patriots. Ravens, Packers. Wait, uh, Eagles, real quickly. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm super. Boston Scott is definitely the guy that we cut out in the last segment. Someone who kind of came on at the end of the year. I would not trust Boston Scott. No, 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 no. Don't trust Boston Scott. I think Miles Sanders is locked in and locked also, in pretty safe. You could also point out that technically the, the top two receiving targets on the Eagles are going to be Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. That's definitely worth noting. Um, all right. You want to do Saints? Yeah. Uh, again, bad players, good teams. We're going to talk about Emmanuel Sanders and Latavius Murray. Emmanuel Sanders, I think is, I mean, when you have Michael Thomas on your team, then your wide receiver two can get some pretty good looks at the ball. And when your wide receiver two is Emmanuel Sanders, I think you're in a pretty good spot. Um, of course, the volume probably won't be there. I maybe see him 50, 55 catches for 750 yards, I'd say. So this is a thing where anytime I see, like, the Saints do something like this, where they sign someone who's good. Like, Emmanuel Sanders miraculously is was better last year after tearing his Achilles. Mm-hmm. Um but they, they, they do this. They, they sign these wide receivers who are, like, really interesting. But then it's still the way that system goes. It's just the one wide receiver. So, you know, I think Emmanuel Sanders is more talented than, say, like the Traquan Smiths of the world. I I don't know. I Part of me feels like I think he could be good because I, I think people are going to really key in on Michael Thomas. Like, yeah, Michael Thomas is getting doubled every – is gonna be he's he's getting doubled every game. You get tripled. So I I wouldn't be surprised if Emmanuel Sanders ends up being like a top twenty-five wide receiver. 
Yeah, that's, uh, I'd put him somewhere there. I think he's way too low right now. I think right now ESPN has him as the 45th wide receiver. Um, I mean, who would you rather have, uh, Emmanuel Sanders or Tyler Boyd? That's good. It's a good question. I, I the secret to my questions now is that Tyler Boyd is one of the most like who knows types players. So always compare people to Tyler Boyd. That's is, is Tyler Boyd the like replacement level? Is he like the Jack Reacher of our <laughs> of our wide receivers? Shit. Um, oh God, I don't know. And then Latavius Murray is like, he's just a big bowling ball. But when you're on the Saints and you have an O line like that, you know what? Somebody just toss the bowling ball, get some touchdowns. I'm sorry, Alvin Kamara. I mean, let's not forget Latavius Murray filled in really well when when Kamara went down. That's true. He definitely is kind of that Ingram role. I think he's still going to have value. I think he's not – he's a little bit more than a backup. Yeah, a little bit more than a backup. Um, if your strategy is to take aim backup running backs, I'd probably have him and uh, Alexander Madison in your backup repertoire. Uh, do you want to move on to Niners and uh, just finish him off real quick here? Yeah. Uh, Niners, I think the receivers – and, of course, Kittle are pretty solid. Their running backs are not, but their run game is so good. So, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, not what you think of when you think running back studs, but do you like him? I like Mostert. I like Coleman, too. I Do you like Brandon Ayuk? I mean, he's not for fantasy, and I don't think he's going to interfere with Debo's production too much, so I think it's just one of those whatevers. Yeah. I would, yeah. I, 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 if we're going to talk about a bad player on a good team on the Niners, I think it's, it's maybe, it's, I hate to say it, but it's maybe Jimmy G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I knew you were going to say that. He was one throw away from maybe winning a Super Bowl, as Emmanuel Sanders would remind him very often. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, let's go Ravens and Packers before we end with Patriots. Um, Ravens, I feel like it, Ravens just have good players, man. The only person I'm question, I would question would be Marquise Brown. Um, Hollywood, who is a good player, but maybe not a wide receiver one as he kind of is. I think he's just a little bit too tiny, (laughs) a little too small. I mean, people are giving Antonio Brown stuff in his heyday because he was small and Hollywood is his even smaller cousin. Um, uh, okay, I'll ask. Do you think Gus Edwards has fantasy value? No, no. I don't know of any of those raving. Rave, I don't want any of the ravings backfield right now, unless maybe it's J.K. Dobbins, and then they find out J.K. Dobbins is just better than everyone. I'll, I'll say it again. Number two, the second best fantasy option on the Ravens is Justin Tucker. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, he totally is. He totally is. Um, Packers. Uh, jeez. I think the only person to talk about would be Alan Lazard. Devontae Adams is a stud. Their running backs are pretty damn good now. Alan Lazard, they want to be their wide receiver too. They've stated they want to be their wide receiver too, and they didn't draft anyone. Do you trust him over Tyler Boyd? <laughs> oh, man. Dude, this is such a good thing. <laughs> we should do a whole segment. Is this player better than Tyler Boyd? This is this is this is what we need to do when we get to the draft. It's just like there just needs to be a stat about like him versus Tyler Boyd. 
Um, I think I would take Tyler Boyd. I really liked Alan Lazar in college. I always feel like these Packers receivers, they just come in flashes. Yeah. Like the Allison, like the Allisons, the, the uh, who's it? Valdez Scanlings, you know. Oh, and you know, whenever anyone, one of those dudes pops off, it's always Aaron Rodgers who like, is, yeah, those guys are uh, pretty good. I like, I like MVS. I think he'd be the next one. And then fantasy people everywhere, like listening to Aaron Rodgers, like, yeah, yeah, let's get Alan Lazard. Let's get MVS. Yeah, I I don't know how I feel about the Packers. I don't know how I feel about the Packers anyway. A team that we really don't know how to feel about, and this will round up our day. Who on earth do you want from the Patriots? I have no clue. Well, I think the Patriots are a good way to end it because are they a good team with bad players or a bad team with good players? Wow. I have no clue. I mean... I'd say they are a te- I'd say they as a whole they're a good team completely made up of bad players. Cuz I I think this is going to be the question, right? It's cuz they had Tom Brady and we we always talk about like Tom Brady needs more help. So he left to go to Tampa Bay to play with better people. But then you you're you know you're sitting back and you're like is James White bad? I don't know. Is Sony Michelle bad? He's got knee arthritis. I mean He's probably our knees winner of the week. <laughs> is uh, uh, Damian Harris. Yeah, like Edelman, like what is Edelman's value now without Brady? I don't know. He was having trouble. I have trouble with Edelman too because like as someone who focuses on opportunity, I want the Edelman targets, but you're also going to be drafting a 33-year-old who's missing his starting quarterback. Like and who's oh. Nikhil Harry's coming along. I don't know. I think the Patriots, a good, a good case study would be the Steelers last year when Roethlisberger went out. Mm-hmm. Is because I think we just assumed that these guys are just going to step in. And then you ended up seeing, like, well, Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges. Who know? is, uh, do you see who's now dating uh, Hannah Ann from um, Love what? Island? Wait. Or was she Love Island? Or bachelor? Or Bachelor. Yeah, yeah, Bachelor. Mason Rudolph is or Duck Hodges? Mason Rudolph is, and apparently it's not exclusive, is the hilarious part, is that Hannah Ann was like, oh, we're just kind of, you know, seeing each other. It's not serious. (laughs) Mason Rudolph. Oh, my God. That's crazy. I totally thought this dude (laughs) was married. We should do another episode. Is Mason Rudolph a loser? (laughs) Is he a loser in fantasy? Is he a loser in life? Wow, Mason Rudolph. <laughs> I don't know why I assume this guy was married. I think it's just because he is like this classic, like I went to school in the South and was also like a Christian. Yeah. Oh, man. He looks kind of funny, man. I don't know what Hannah Ann is doing with him. Yeah. I, I also like how now that when you search Mason Rudolph, the top results are all <laughs> Hannah Ann. Yeah, let me read you the top three headlines. Bachelor star Hannah Ann hanging with NFL QB Mason Rudolph. Quarantine romance. <laughs> I like that they talk about it. it's like it's like Mason Rudolph is clearly the fling for Hannah Ann. It's not <laughs> the other way around. 
this, this is this okay this is the new question it's is mason rudolph and hannah ann are they the new kristen cavalry and jay cutler oh don't <laughs> don't even bring that up just, if we were doing a news and notes section for this show I, that would be number one on news and notes oh my god you have no idea how it's, how much this has affected mk and i's relationship <laughs> It's funny too because when I was watching um, uh, Very Cavalry or whatever, it was so funny watching um, how much he like just was not into. He was like do all his duck watching and stuff and just kind of like lie around the house. And it's funny because you're like, oh hi, he's just like a deadbeat husband, dad, whatever. And now you're like, oh, I guess that wasn't so funny after all. Yeah, it's it. I, I so I I I watched that I watched that show pretty currently. I watched up all the way up to the latest episode. Oh, dark. And it's funny because the end of the, like, they go to Italy and it really seems like they're, like, pretty happy. Like, they do this big trip and they go <laughs> to meet Kristen's family. And although I, I, I'm not going to speculate, but, you know, they end with a trip to the Bahamas. They're in the Bahamas when Corona hits and they're just, oh. stuck the and then, you know, all of a sudden, they're getting divorced. I don't know. Like I, yeah. If their relationship gets a lot, I'm just I'm just sad on an, on a number of personal levels. It's a tough look. But Jared Sidham, what do we know about him? You know, high highly recruited. Guy. Well, here's the thing: is what who's the Patriots quarterback? Is it going to be Andy Dalton? Is it going to be Cam? It lo- it really looks like it's going to be Jared Sidham. Yeah. I, it looks like it's going to be Stidham. Um, oh man, I, I don't even know about Patriots and Redskins. I hope the Redskins get someone. I wouldn't mind Andy Dalton or Cam. I feel like who the, who the hell is Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen learning from? Like who? I don't know, man. I mean. (laughs) Who took Will Greer? The Panthers. Oh, I think the Panthers have Bridgewater and Greer. Is it so to to bring it back to the Pats? I don't I don't know. I don't know how I feel about any of them. Yeah, I don't want any of them. Like Edelman, maybe, but Edelman like gets. I just feel like Edelman doesn't have like. If you look at someone who probably has internal bleeding, it's it's definitely Julian Edelman. Exactly, exactly, and I know that like I don't want to give him the whole uh. I don't want to label him an injury-prone player because the dude is 33 and he's pretty tough, but, like, father time is coming. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That does it for another episode of BFF Football. As always, I will sign off on Zoom and pray to God that is saved. Um, All right. All right. Cha-loo.